1: Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time, taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. In 1968, women's liberation was just taking its foothold in the United States. Gloria Steinem first gained national attention in 1963 after writing an exposé about her experience going undercover as a Playboy bunny. In 1972, Gloria co-founded the now iconic Ms. Magazine, focused on the empowerment of women. Now, five decades later, she's a Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient, and Harper's Bazaar called Gloria Steinem one of the most daring women of both the 20th and 21st centuries. Gloria Steinem continues to travel the world to fight for the rights of women. And though the battle is ongoing, at 81, she's as open hearted as she is wise, eternally hopeful about the future. I know you are a role model for so many people, including myself, a visionary, an icon. You're all of that. And, uh, of course, a hero to millions of women. I, You know, my producer and I were saying this morning, I said, we should all wake up every morning, say, thank you, God. Thank you, Gloria Steinem and all the leaders of the women's movement. Because I think so often we forget where we were 50 years ago. Can you believe how far we've come and yet how no, far I'm we have to go? No, I'm mad every day about where
2: we have to go, we have to actually. Go. Really? Yeah, right. And I don't. You know, we get to be icons to each other because we see each other in the media and in some ways what we see in the media seems more real than we are. Yes. The media
1: amplifies
2: everything. Yeah, but we're we're all in this together. Yes. But it's a a movement. It's a group. It's a group. It has to be a group.
1: But you say that the, you know, icon, visionary, uh, hero, that the word hopeaholic actually
2: describes you best. What do you mean by that? (laughs) Well, I think that one of the most fundamental differences between people is whether they see the world as basically friendly yes. or basically unfriendly. Yeah. And I think that probably comes from the way we're brought up. You know, did we, were we lucky enough to be loved and valued when we were children and yeah. to see a friendly world, which I was. Yes. And I'm grateful for that. And yeah. so, so...
1: Actually, I s- you describe it in this... Book, my life on the road as the lens that in which we choose to see uh, whether life becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy right the lens that we choose to look through makes it a self-fulfilling prophecy. It does doesn't it it does I it's... I actually agreed with you and I, I actually underlined that in my book because it's actually also how I see the world too is the biggest question is is it for
2: me or against me mm-hmm. right? Right. And it, it isn't as if uh, it's blind optimism. It's right. important to be skeptical, because otherwise we don't use our energies very well. But if you don't have hope, you're defeated before you start. I mean, hope is a form of planning. So it's important that we have that, because we have to be conscious of the possibility of change in order to pursue it.
1: Don't go anywhere. More to come after this short break.
0: No two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas' vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. Are you a beach person? Well, you'll be having fun under the sun with Texas 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies can't get enough of Texas world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Macy's Mother's Day Gift Guide has the perfect gift to make mom feel special. Shop by price, like 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or giftless, like for the mom who has everything. Gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and for grandma. Get top gifts like Dolce & Gabbana Devotion, Eau de Parfum, Coach Floral Printed Leather Cassie Crossbody Bag, and Le Creuset Shallot Dutch Oven. Shop at macy's.com giftfinder
1: So at 81 years
2: old, you're working tirelessly to... Yes, well, uh, you have to know. I'm so grateful you just said I'm 81 years old because I'm trying to convince myself. that you are. I tell people on the street that I'm 81. (laughs) And you tell them why, because... Because I don't believe it. You don't believe it. I don't believe it, Right.
1: right. Yeah, right. Well, I remember turning 60 and being hit with that number in a way that I hadn't been hit with any numbers before, like, whoa,
2: 60. When did that moment happen for you? Well, it's interesting you say 60 because that was, well, 50 for me was, the, was hard because it was the end of the central years of life, the gendered years of life in a way, you know, from 13 to 50. Yeah. Uh, but 60 was great because it was beyond the kind of feminine yeah. prison. Yes. You could be your own self. Right. And 70 was somewhat like that too, but 80 is about mortality. You know, I mean, I have to understand that even though I'm going to live to 100, <laughs> mm-hmm. in my opinion, <laughs> yes, that's only 19 years. But there's just so much I want to do. And also, I love it here. You know, what makes it hard to imagine leaving is not the hard parts. It's the parts you love. Mm. And what has loved you and you have loved the most about it? Well, I think those moments when for no reason, really, you suddenly feel at one with everything. Mm-hmm. You feel boundaryless. Mm-hmm. And also, if I just meet somebody in the supermarket or on the street and they tell me how a social justice something, the women's movement, some something has changed their lives, and you get a sense of a story that's a different story mm-hmm. because because of something we contributed to. That's, you know, infinitely, infinitely rewarding.
1: Well, I love the story in Life on the Road where you tell about the
2: Purple Motorcycle Oh, in in South Dakota. Yeah, South Dakota. Set that up for us. Yeah. Well, I was going to uh, a powwow, actually, Mm -hmm. uh, with our friend Alice Walker Mm -hmm. and and others. We were all meeting there. And once we were uh, at the airport in Rapid City, (laughs) We saw all these motorcycles. We couldn't understand why. And I, they had been on the plane, too, guys in chains mm-hmm. and you know studded jackets and everything. So we realized it was a kind of some kind of motorcycle rally, and the a waitress told us that. And we were afraid of the motorcyclists, I have to say, as a group of women, because everything that we'd seen in the press and in movies was about motorcyclists as... Uh, you know, treating women as possessions, being dangerous in, in various ways. So I was sitting in the, in the uh, little dining room of the motel where we were, and the, the, full of motorcyclists, and I was trying to be cool mm-hmm. <laughs> and also and open-minded. And open-minded, <laughs> yeah, right, yes. right, right, right. Um, and one of the uh, motorcycle wives, she came over and she said, she uh, I just want to tell you, I really enjoy Ms. Magazine. <laughs> yes, right, I couldn't believe it. And then she said, isn't that woman with you? Isn't that Alice Walker? I really like her poetry. I mean, you know, it just teaches you so much about stereotypes. Yes. But then she also said, now, look out the window, and you see that purple motorcycle out there in the parking lot? said, that's mine. Now she had her own motorcycle. She used to ride on the back of her husband's. It had Ms. on the license plate. Oh, And my goodness. she said, you should see my grandkids when Grandma drives up in her purple motorcycle. It was it was just wonderful. And so my conclusion is that we all have a purple motorcycle inside. Mm-hmm. And what that story shows us is
1: that we all make prejudgments about people yes, in our lives. Right. I was telling you that when I read that story, it reminded me of the time of running on a road in Indiana and being approached by this pickup truck, And the pickup truck had a Confederate flag in the back, so naturally I was like, no, 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 and I'm out here by myself, and why did I come by myself, and, you know, what am I going to do? The guy pulls over, and he's slowing down to tell me that he loves watching the Oprah show with his wife. It's just one of those pickup truck moments, one of those purple motorcycle moments. The pursuit of change has taken Gloria to virtually every corner of the earth. She lives in what she calls an open road state of mind, leaving herself open to encounters and experiences that inform her life's work. My Life on the Road is Gloria's first book in 20 years. So what has your life on the road, I'm, I mean, reading this, I was you've lived more time on the road than off, mm-hmm. I think, really.
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... It feels like that being on the road is a way of being with you. It has become a part of who you are, being out there on the road. And not just on the road, but your on the road state of mind.
2: Yeah, Can you tell me about it that. It didn't happen on purpose, mm-hmm. like so much in life. It happened accidentally. Yes. Because I couldn't get published what I wanted to say about the women's movement when it was new and exploding. And so I ended up going out with a friend on mm-hmm. the road to speak. And that led to, you know, years of on-the-road organizing. And I I discovered, as I never otherwise would have, I think, that what happens in a room when you are present cannot happen on the printed page or on the screen. It's really true that the, uh, the hormones that allow us to empathize with each other are only produced when we're together in all five senses. It isn't to devalue the page or the screen, but right. it's just... Different uh, and i I guess I discovered my form of meditation I mean i've taken two meditation courses, I believe in it, but I don't do it. <laughs> but what the road does is force you to live in the present in that way there's just An infinite amount of learning and it's in the moment it forces you to live in the moment
1: and what is clear in your life on the road is that it's it doesn't mean we all have to go to South Dakota or we have to travel to India it means in your everyday experiences whether you're in the supermarket or whether you're going to the dry cleaners it's being able to listen with that kind of openness to
2: yeah it's an on-the-road state of mind yeah And it's, uh, I can only compare it to, you know when you see birds riding a current? Mm -hmm. It's like that, or a a surfer riding Mm -hmm, the waves, mm -hmm. or it's just being open. It means being in the flow. Just being open. Yeah, And if you are in a place where you're more powerful than the people around you, being sure to listen as much as you talk, Mm-hmm. And if you're less powerful, being sure to talk as much as you listen.
1: And your adventures led you, actually, in the beginning, from that first trip to India, to understand that we communicate in circles. Can you talk about that?
2: Well, I, I did. I learned that in India by good luck, by accident. Was walking through Indian villages with a Gandhian group, trying to get a message of "we care about you" to an area that had where there had been riots so we were just traveling by foot and being fed by the villagers and so on and every night we would sit around a kerosene lamp and the villagers would tell terrible stories of what was happening but by the end of a few hours the very fact that they could talk to each other that they weren't alone in experiencing this would begin to to transform the group and the gandhians were saying to me it's just very simple rules you know if you if you want people to listen to you you have to listen to them if you want to know how people live you have to go where they live you know everyone has a story you have to listen to each other's yeah. stories and sit in a circle and every movement that we care about you know i mean the civil rights movement came out of churches in the south people that's right testifying and telling their stories and the, the women's movement women sitting in circles and to mm-hmm. you know we are communal people but it took me a while to realize that what I had learned in India had any application in the rest of of my life well in order for truth to be truth it applies to all things really it does very th- th- remember that that's a very <laughs>
1: That's what I've figured out <laughs> in all of my interviews. For to be truthful, it has to apply to
2: all yeah, things. Right, it applies right, right, to, to everything. Well, it took me a decade. I should have met you earlier.
0: <laughs> this episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Something should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be entertaining. Entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests, not banks. PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank Brilliantly Boring Since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts.
1: So you you say that you always believed at some point that you would stop and settle down and then you experienced a shift. What happened?
2: Well, I think I got rid of the myth, you know, that that we're supposed to grow up and settle down, those two things go together. <laughs> and also since I in my childhood had lived in a house trailer with my parents most of each year as we, you know, voyaged mm. from Michigan to Florida or California, and my father was kind of buying and selling antiques along the way, and I of course wanted to be like other kids. I wanted to go to school like other right. kids, right? So I thought I was rebelling against a traveling way of life, but really what was happening was I was finding my own. That's right. And, f- and also something my father never did, what
1: you which is you. making a home. Yes.
2: So my discovery is really that we, we all need both, I think. You say this
1: in the introduction, taking to the road, by which I mean letting the road take me, changed who I thought I was. The road is messy leads us out of denial and into reality, out of theory and into practice, out of caution and into action, out of our heads and into our hearts. Now, this is what got me. It's right up there with life-threatening emergencies and truly mutual sex as a way of being fully alive in the present. I said, Gloria is comparing the joy of travel with the joy of sex. You really have found a secret. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Traveling is like sex, really? Not all,
2: not all the time. Not okay? all the time. Like sex is not that way all the time. <laughs> correct, okay? correct. But, but it is about spontaneity. I mean, it, and it takes you out of yourself. You find yourself in a completely different world you know, in a, in a roadhouse and it's snowing and there's a some, somehow a guy there who's a tango teacher and you find yourself, I mean, tangoing to, I mean. Boy, you have had some adventures. <laughs> you have had some adventures. <laughs> right. Gloria Steinem
1: was 10 years old when her parents divorced. With her sister already in college, she became the sole caregiver to her mother. Gloria writes that her mother, Ruth, suffered from depression, anxiety, and delusions. Issues Gloria believes stem from a broken spirit and a life unlived. When she was 26, she moved to New York City on her own to pursue a career in writing, a dream her mother once pursued for herself. Have you thought about, really, how your mother's struggles influenced your work in the feminist struggle?
2: Yeah, that also took me a while. You know, I I think... um... We spend a a lot of time saying, I'm not going to be anything like my mother Mm -hmm. (laughs) before we realize that it's not an individual fault, it's a collective fate. Mm. And so I too went through that period of time. But I do realize, looking back, that, I mean, my mother was a pioneer journalist before I was born. I didn't even know that until much later. She gave up everything, not because my father forced her to, but that was the way the world ran. She had what was then called a nervous breakdown, but, I mean, she was really institutionalized for a couple of years. And then, just to survive, you know, became her goal. And she was, you know, a wonderful, smart, loving person. But I began to realize that, actually, I was living out her unlived life. Mm. And I think... A lot of women, hope, hopefully that will pass because women will be able to live out their own lives. But it's still uh, true, I think, for, for a lot of us. And And it made me understand that my mother had no journey of her own. My father had no home of his own. And we both need, we all need both. We all need both. Mm.
1: I appreciated that your mother once told you that if she had left your father, you would have never been born. And I read that you never found the courage to say to her what you really mm-hmm. wanted to say to her about
2: yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, she because I would of course be saying to her because she had told me that she fell in love with someone else in the newspaper office, and I and she wanted to go to New York, and and I was saying, but why didn't you marry this other guy? Go to New York with your girlfriend, yeah. you know? And then she would say, but. Then you I ever would have been, been born. born. And I so wanted to say to her, but then you would have been born. But I couldn't say it because it w- couldn't happen. If there had been a chance of it happening still, you, I would have, have said, said it.
1: it. To have said it would just seem cruel to say, right. well, yeah, you didn't have the life. Thing.
2: I couldn't say it, right. Yeah.
1: So has the travel and the experiences with people, has that
2: been your spiritual path? Yes, I think so, because of the living in the moment, communicating Mm -hmm. with other people part of it, which I think is a spiritual experience. Yeah. Right. And what's the difference between religion and spirituality for you? Oh, huge. (laughs) Religion is politics in the sky, mostly. I mean, God looks like the ruling class a suspicious amount of time, even Jesus is blonde and blue-eyed in the middle of the Middle East. God is a guy. God is a, you know, Spirituality is in everything, in all, in all living things. You know, I had to go to have a minor medical something in, in a hospital just for a few hours, but they make you fill out a little form, yes. including religion. So first I was going to put none, but then I thought it was a little negative. <laughs> <laughs> so I put pagan pagan. Yeah. So the nurse said to me, what does pagan mean? I said it just means you believe there's godliness in all living things. I converted around the spot. Really? <laughs> yes. I mean, I think we're natural pagans. And and when we see now the political uses of of religion, religion is politics we're not supposed to talk about. And we have to talk about it.
1: I spoke with former president Jimmy Carter recently sitting right in that chair. And one of the things he said was that ending violence actually against women around the world has been a part of his life's mission. And now for the first time in the world
2: there are more males than females yes. as a
1: result of right. violence against women yes. in the world.
2: Yes, it is the first that we're aware of that and it's 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 because of the preference for sons. Now there's a yes. son surplus and a daughter deficit and Much of India and China, yes, it's because of female genital mutilation, which he, Jimmy Carter, you know, he sat on television on David Letterman and talked about female genital mutilation. I thought, thank you. (laughs) You I know they would never would have let me do. Yeah, (laughs) right. Right. He's he's been wonderful about it. Uh, Child marriage uh, and domestic violence in the United States, which is huge, but we talk about foreign terrorism. But not about domestic terrorism. What is that about us
1: as human beings? That, right, obviously foreign terrorism is a concern. Obviously, uh, you know, attacks on our beliefs are concerned. But right in our midst, where you see it happening
2: every day, what is that about us? We're able to overlook that. Well, I think it's that we confuse it with culture. We think it's inevitable somehow. We assume that. The masculine controls the feminine. Of course, there is no masculine and feminine, there's human. But we set a pattern that said it's okay for one group to control another. And dominate another. Mm -hmm. Who lived intimately on this land where we are, before Europeans showed up, were one of 500 or so native nations Mm. whose paradigm of life, very sophisticated, very sophisticated cultures, whose paradigm of life was a circle, not a pyramid. So people were linked. Mm -hmm. We were not ranked Mm -hmm. like this. And if we start ranking each other in the family, we think it's natural, we think it's culture, we think that there's no other way, and there is another way. The old languages, most of the ones I know, don't even have gendered pronouns. They don't have he and she. They don't have a concept of race. They don't have a word for nature because we're not separate from nature. Because it's all one. Right, it's It's all all one. one.
1: When the statues are erected to you, what will the inscription say? What do
2: you want it to say about your (laughs) contribution? The closest, I'll just answer because I can't imagine that. Okay. So the closest I can come to it is that a a bunch of my women friends, wonderful human beings, (laughs) who on my 80th birthday, we all went, uh, elephant riding. Yes, I know. In Botswana. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. They gave me the most wonderful present, which is a wooden bench, not like the metal kind, but a beautiful wooden bench in Central Park. And on the back is a plaque. And it says to Gloria Steinem on her 80th birthday, and something about the women's movement. And then it says, and to her hero, Sojourner Truth, oh, who said, <laughs> mine too. unless all of us are free, none no. of us is free. Right. So we just, I I love that because I'm not there by myself. I don't want to be on a statue by myself. I want people to know what I've learned, which is that change starts from the bottom, not the top. Mm -hmm. It's like a tree. And we have to stay connected to each other. So I'm happy that I'm there connected across distance with Mm -hmm. Sojourner.
1: And you say, we've got to learn that we're more linked and that there's less ranking, but more linking. So what do you
2: believe is the root of sexism? Controlling reproduction. To try to control reproduction. If we didn't have wombs, we'd be fine, if you know what I mean. And it's doubly important when there's a lot of racism, because if you're going to perpetuate racial separation, you have to control reproduction even more so. And the root of of racism, you think? Well, I think anthropologically speaking, it is seeing difference in your family, seeing a dominant and a passive role, seeing cheap labor, seeing unpaid, and then turning other people into it outside the family. If you can own a woman as the means of production, you can own a slave as a laborer. Mm. It's not about, you know, I know that the academic word is intersection, which is a very good word, but I think intertwined is, is an even more graphic way of saying that racism and sexism c- can only be uprooted at the same time. What's important to you now? <laughs> you don't ask small questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's Supercell Sunday! <laughs>
1: They're the big questions. What's important to you now?
2: Um, well, actually, if I the first thing that came into my head when you said it is that is that Wilma Mankiller, who was the chief of the Cherokee Nation and a dear friend and an amazing woman, she and I were, before she died, writing a book, trying to write a book about original cultures around the world and what very simple, practical things we can learn. Yeah. And each thing was a chapter. For instance, in a culture in Ghana, when someone does something, antisocial and destructive, that person is indeed punished with um, isolation. But when that person is brought back into the group, there is a long ritual amount of time in which everyone who knows that person tells them every good thing they ever did.
1: Hmm.
2: We could do that, but we do the opposite with prisoners. The opposite. They can't vote, they can't work. I think we understand it a bit better with children positive reinforcement, Mm -hmm. right? But we could do that. Yeah. What is the
1: truth that you use that embraces your daily life? Meaning, what is your creed?
2: Mm. I don't know if I have a creed exactly. Mm. Uh, I mean, I have a series of creeds, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, like the truth will set you free but first it will piss you off. <laughs> <laughs> You're very famous for that one. Right, I don't know. I mean, I just right, right, right. I guess it's just being open. You know, you just never know.
1: <laughs> is that the quality you admire most in others?
2: Yeah. I think so. Being centered, it's it's not one thing or the other. I think it's a balance between qualities that's the important thing. Yeah. And you each need of both. us is unique. And each of us is human. So it's a balance between uniqueness and Mm. my story and your story. Mm -hmm.
1: When I ask you, when I was saying at the beginning of our conversation here, you must wake up on some days and just think, wow, life is so much different now than it was So many things have changed for women. I've said to you many times before, I certainly wouldn't be able to hold the seat and the space that I do in the culture had it not been for you and so many other women of the movement. But you said, you think about all the, so many things that still need Mm -hmm. to change.
2: Yeah, I live in the future. You live in the future. (laughs) So what still pisses you off? (laughs) How long do we have? (laughs) Well, what pisses me off in a very fundamental way is that reproductive freedom is not a basic human right, like freedom of speech, freedom of worship, and so on. Because we each get to, I mean, the power of the government needs to stop at our skins, male or female. You know, there's a boundary here.
1: Okay. What still inspires you? What inspires you?
2: Just the little things inspire me. You know, the 10-year-old girl who's playing football and she's littler the boys than the boys, but she's actually better than a lot of the boys. and she just keeps playing, <laughs> yeah. you know so, right. And, and uh, that women have started young young women, really, have started a, a major part of a black liberation movement now, and are very c- clear about it. and mm-hmm. I and and talk about it as, uh, a sisterhood, mm-hmm. you know, that I mean, it's for men and women, but they mm. talk about themselves as a sisterhood. What other things
1: do you look at and you marvel where you see women in positions and spaces that couldn't have been possible without the women's uh, movement?
2: I see women directing traffic in New York and doing it very well and ordering everybody around and blowing their whistle and then saying to me as I cross the street, give him hell, honey. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that.
1: What would you say to your younger self? What would you say that...
2: Sister girl there. I would say... Do more of what you can uniquely do Mm. and less of what other people can do.
1: That's good advice for
2: anybody. And also, we're more likely to do what we care about if we say to ourselves, can I uniquely do this?
1: And what are you most proud of for yourself?
2: I haven't done it yet. <laughs> you haven't done <laughs> no. it yet? OK. I'm t- no, I, get I don't that. know. I get that. Yeah, right. I Because I, I mean, I can think of lots of things I'm proud of. But I, I do live in the future. And I do have so many more hopes. And what is God for you? Mm. Um, God is living energy. Everything that has living energy is part of God.
1: That's good. Mm-hmm. Woo. I'm going to be using that. God is living energy. Yeah. Thank you. No. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Rate and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips
0: and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks.
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's
2: only one crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.